Welcome to MuggleCast, your weekly ride into the Wizarding World fandom. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. I'm Micah. And I'm Laura. On today's episode, we are going to the movies. The MuggleCasters are going to review several Harry Potter fan-made short films that have been released over the years. We love featuring the fandom, and this is going to be an all-fandom episode. And you're really going to want to pay attention to these movies because they scratch some itches we as Harry Potter fans have had for many years. But before we get to that, a couple of items we wanted to discuss. First of all, last week we teased an appearance on another podcast and that episode is out now. We are very excited to share that the four of us, all four of us, were invited to appear on Ivana Lynch's Chick Peeps podcast. The episode was released last week, so do check it out. Ivana Lynch, of course, played Luna Lovegood in the Harry Potter movies. She actually discovered the casting call for Luna through MuggleNet, and she was a MuggleCast listener herself for many years. So we've had this long history with Ivana, and we were just so excited to be invited onto her podcast. This is a podcast about veganism and sustainability. And even if you're not interested in veganism, vegetarianism, hopefully you're interested in sustainability. It's a really fun listen. We had such a great time. We spoke for well over an hour about Harry Potter related topics. Imagine that. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> we talked about we talked about animal rights in the Wizarding World. It was a wonderful discussion. It was very, very cool. Uh, Evan and Tyler planned and we were just happy to be there, I think. Yeah, definitely. Andrew, uh, amazing job. I don't know who edited that episode, but I listened to it mm. yesterday. It was really nice here uh, in New York. So I went out for a walk and I listened to most of it. And uh, just a really fun episode. I think just topics we wouldn't necessarily normally touch on and I think could even spur some ideas for conversations for us in the future yeah also we uh, there was room in the episode for a couple of impersonations during a game that we played on the show you have to listen just for that because ivana does a voldemort and it's just incredible and eric came to the table as a ghost as well also incredible so please please you have to listen to these and laura's draco was well, amazing I, I wouldn't go that far I uh, I think Laura didn't want to do a voice, but she did put on a great argument, a good yeah, challenge. So basically, I um did Draco Malfoy. If Draco Malfoy moved to the United States and became like a like an Alex Jones esque talking head <laughs> newscaster, yeah, um, yeah. so that was fun to write. But no, I did not do an accent. Oh. <laughs> it's like I'm not going to bastardize somebody else's accent. <laughs> Has anyone checked back with Evie though to see if she still has a voice after that insane Voldemort impression? It was. I so think good. she does. They recorded one more episode in the season, and okay, thank uh, gosh, thank her gosh. voice. Did she really survive. put all of herself into that, though. That was yes, she did. Tremendous. There's also a troll. I'm just going to throw that out there. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yes. Micah became a troll. Really, there's a lot happening in that in this episode. Yeah, you, you have. We're to just check all it congratulating out. each other on our own. <laughs> no, well, it was very good. I I was self congratulating. So well, you fun. should. So <laughs> what's funny about that, Micah, is you sent those files separately. <laughs> so like in my inbox somewhere, I have uh, files of Micah going like protein <laughs> just like completely unedited um and right. i think that we should start using those we'll have to acquire the rights from the uh chick peeps yeah podcast <laughs> inc 
the Harry Potter stuff aside, it is a very good podcast about veganism. It certainly opened up my eyes in a lot of ways. So mm-hmm. you can hear the chick peeps everywhere that you hear MuggleCast. So do check it out. And just a quick note before we get to our main discussion, a uh, bit of sad news, honestly. In the last week, uh, the Harry Potter fandom lost one of its own. If you were an attendee of any of the various Harry Potter conventions over the last decade or so, uh, you may have met this man, Nigel Taylor, a.k.a. Vladimir Snape. He was one of the most uh, enigmatic Snape cosplayers. He was everywhere. He was extremely talented, friendly, and kind. Honestly, my timeline is blowing up with tributes for him, but I thought we should mention something on the show. He was such a, a prominent member of the Harry Potter fandom and Harry Potter convention fandom, and I'm really sad to hear of his passing and really wish his loved ones, um, you know, peace in in this time. I think I've seen so many people who are just reeling over this, but also giving some very lovely tributes. And he was, I, I happened to meet him, uh, obviously, throughout the years, but mostly at Leviosa during karaoke night. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, he, he just, he was, and he was a musician too. And, you know, just very, very talented. Um, the way that my friend Justin put it was uh, he had a gravity about him. And so, you know, you come for the Snape uh, cosplay, you know, and you want to get a selfie with Snape. It's all fun. But then if you talk to him for even half a second, you knew what a kind and special person he was. Yeah. I think I encountered him a couple of times over the years at various Harry Potter conferences. And he's just one of those people who lived and breathed fandom and mm. just did such a great job with his cosplay as well. That was always exciting to see. So rest in peace, Nigel. And we're very sorry for his friends and family. Okay, so changing gears now. Like I said at the top of today's episode, MuggleCast is going to the movies to watch Harry Potter fan-made short films. There have been many, many Harry Potter fan-made films over the years on the internet. These are all free to watch, typically on YouTube. And like I said, they will surely scratch your itch for more Harry Potter. And we're going to share some of the, the biggest ones and a few of the quirkiest ones today. I'm curious, though, to start off this discussion, have any of us kept an eye on fan films over the years? I myself have been vaguely aware of several fan films, mostly through... Like people email MuggleNet and go, you know, hey, can, you know, can you help us promote this? Or, uh, you know, we're doing this cool project and and not all of them have come to full fruition. It takes a lot of honestly, that's the big takeaway for me is seeing these fan films that would have been made, seeing the fan films we watched for today's episode where they've gotten made. It is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. Just a tremendous amount of energy and and creative talent and skill some of these uh, films have special effects that i know we're going to talk about it later but get get you know pretty much movie level special effects so i i've been aware of like some of the the bigger ones but i think that uh certainly not as many as you've planned andrew for this discussion and and i loved going through these but only vaguely aware here and there and yeah same to be honest the only one that i was aware of prior to this discussion was the first one that we're actually going to talk about today i had seen that a few years ago it feels like at this point and i just remember being so impressed because i i also really just enjoy indie films and the production value in some of these 
uh, fan-made films is extraordinary. Yeah, it's like, where do they get the money for this? I know. <laughs> I, I would agree. Uh, this was definitely an area of the fandom that I had not explored before. And I remember texting Laura, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, and just saying how impressed I was with some of these films. Because uh, I guess I shouldn't be knowing how talented the Potter fan community is, but one of the things I really enjoyed about this is that they're clearly made by fans. So there's going to be these little details and and things that otherwise would probably get cut from the movies that you'll get because you have a fan who's behind the scenes of of making these. So I was really impressed and I would definitely be opening open to to watching more. I, I'm definitely gonna go down a rabbit hole here. You know, a, a little bit of a self-congratulatory moment for me. I've appeared in and made part of uh, some Harry Potter fan films in the past. So maybe- Why uh, don't we review those? <laughs> why are they yeah, not on the list? I, I was kind of holding out on that. I don't know. We'll see. I, I got to see if a few of them are still on YouTube. I'm still stuck on Micah just texting Laura this thought instead of like me and Eric as well. Thanks a lot, Micah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I mean- It's the Ravenclaw connection, y'all. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Ah, I see. You know. I see. Oh, we had a good discussion about that on- uh, chick peeps as well yeah we did yeah <laughs> we need to talk about that on the show sometime we need a gryffindor <laughs> on the panel i think all right so everybody get your snacks and your your drinks ready what is everybody getting we're at the concession stand now i think i'm gonna get some reese's and probably coke zero you say reese's reese's yeah i always say reese's um oh. <laughs> the the uh, cherry coke for me always always in cherry forever. coke mm. that's the i mean mostly for for a movie theater but yeah cherry coke you know if they have one of those um what are they called? Like the Coca-Cola, like, is it Yeah, like every flavor Every on the flavor yeah. under the sun. And like, I do, so here's my recipe. It's uh, oh, God. cherry Coca-Cola, and then just a little bit of, you can do, you can isolate just the vanilla, uh, like for the flavor. And so I do about like 63% cherry oh, Coke. Oh my God. And then 37% vanilla. And if I'm feeling... Uh, a little lucky, I saved the top 10% of the cup for just um, Bark's Root Beer Vanilla. And that's oh also gosh. very good. Eric's you know. the person who's spending like 20 minutes on a single drink at the <laughs> Coke freestyle machine. behind the yeah. line. Yeah. <laughs> and the poor seven-year-old behind him just wants to get a Coke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. But that seven-year-old needs to refine their palate and I will teach that kid. <laughs> the seven-year-old should probably not drink soda. That would be my recommendation. <laughs> Don't get addicted. You'd be a good parent someday. <laughs> my typical go-to for this is I just bring a giant purse which I stop, like I go to the drugstore and get candy and right. stuff there. You're saying the quiet part out loud. Well, what a baddie. Uh, yeah. I mean, y'all could have, you know, gotten your stuff there too and put it in my giant purse because that's <laughs> oh, your offering. That's okay, usually great. the role I play. Oh, nice. The I smuggler. I go to the movies with Laura more. Damn. Yeah. Uh, and Micah, could you buy me a popcorn, please? I believe I bought the last one. So you owe me. Yeah, you did. You're right. Load up the butter too. Thank you. I was actually going to go with popcorn and a and a Dr Pepper. I'm going to keep it a little bit less intense than than Eric. You don't what get like 53 percent Dr Pepper and 22 percent. Well, isn't Dr Pepper made of so like? Isn't it basically just like a combination of all these other drinks anyway, or flavors? It's, it's like 23 flavors. It's like the yeah. hot dog of soda. I didn't know that. What? Wow, <laughs> hot dogs are like leftover meat, aren't yeah, they? That no, that's actually true. Yeah, Dr. Pepper on the label says that it's like 33 flavors or, but it's not wow. like they're specific, isolatable. They only, only they know the recipe. Like they're not yeah. going to tell you what they are. But yeah, you're right. 
Okay, cool. So we all got our snacks and drinks. And I heard there isn't an after credit scene. Oh, so we can God. get out of here right after the movie ends. Yeah, I, I hate the after credit scenes. It's like, I just sat through two and a half hours. Now you're going to make me sit <laughs> there for another 20 minutes. I, it's too much. Um, all right. So, Micah, why don't you kick us off with our first movie? So our first movie is Severus Snape and the Marauders. It's about 25 minutes or so in length. And I really love this short film because it's the wizarding world version of a bar brawl or at least that's how it starts <laughs> yep mm-hmm. and there's something i never thought that i would see and it is the marauders james sirius remus and peter really just having a conversation post hogwarts we're told that they've graduated and james is really hot on teaching snape a lesson it almost seems like he'd be willing to kill him at some point, but the conversation doesn't go that far. And James is just unrelenting in this. And yeah. finally, we get to a point where they approach Snape up at the bar and typical kind of bartender fashion, bartender screams at them to get out. She doesn't want any of this happening inside of her pub. They apparate away into a field somewhere and this major battle ensues. And I was really impressed by the spell work during yeah. these battle sequences. In many ways, I thought it was better than some of the fight sequences we got in the films. And oh, wow. the, re- the reason why it was the color. I thought the color made a huge difference in, in, in terms of how yes. whoever directed this put this together. So, you know, I have a couple little things that I, I might have changed about the casting but aside from that just the the whole battle between snape and initially it's james but then the other marauders jump in the scene with lily showing up was a little bit awkward and didn't really feel like it fit like the hug was it was like the draco hug from from deathly hallows part two (laughs) with lily and snape but uh i don't know what did you all think i think the casting is great uh you know with any of these marauders era stuff you got to be able to see the characters in the actors and honestly films like these show me just how much marauders content i would watch yeah i think this this is why this one is so popular we as fans have been craving some marauders content and we've we really never got it um what's also really nice about this movie is it does feel like it is straight out of the canon world um james just really treats snape like garbage like you said micah and we see that in the book as well in the books as well in the flashback scenes i agree that the special effects were really well done as was the acting and the settings and the lily scene at the end where she does reappear she had to reappear because you do see her earlier in the movie so you were just kind of like waiting for something to happen with her um, yeah, that was it did feel a little hokey for some reason. But overall, this is just such a great movie. And it really makes you feel for Snape, which the books try to accomplish, too, in the later books. Right. I think the part I probably love the most is the the way that Snape and Voldemort connected was over a beer at a bar. <laughs> Spoiler. That's how, yeah. that's how he was recruited. I thought it was a great ending. And, and, the, and it's I probably forgot to mention this at the top, but it it is almost like it's a flashback, right? You get Snape sitting at the bar in that opening sequence, and then at the very end, it comes back to him sitting at the bar, and Voldemort pulls up a stool next to him, and uh, they have a little conversation. But um, (laughs) 
Yeah, I I, did, I agree. I thought the casting was good. I thought they were a little old for having just graduated Hogwarts, um, yeah. but I did really enjoy the casting of Pettigrew. I thought he was just kind of the oddball out. He was wearing that, you know, kind of rugby shirt, Gryffindor <laughs> shirt, didn't really fit in with the rest. And then he scurries away uh, during the battle. But uh, yeah, all in all, I'd give this a solid... Uh, Five stars. Yeah. In terms of the ages, I think that just kind of comes with the territory of making a film about young adults. I'm just thinking like, I'm thinking like how Glee to, you know, those kids, those actors weren't Mm. actually high schoolers. They were like 10 years removed from high school in all actuality. That didn't bother me, but I I take your point. I, I think that that's a pretty common critique. I think we can apply across some of these films is that, you know, the actors are maybe a little older than the characters they're playing. But at the same time, that was the case in the movies, too. I mean, Alan Rickman was like 30 years older <laughs> than Snape yeah, would have been yeah, in the it's, books. It's, it's actually, so. it's it's the Warner Brothers film rules for the Marauders. <laughs> well, and I also <laughs> just get that probably the people, you know, I could be wrong, but I would imagine the people who acted in this probably at least in part we're also the ones producing it, right? So when exactly. you, when you're working on an independent film like this, I'm sure the budget is incredibly thin. And as all of these movies, uh, you know, will let you know in the opening like title sequence, none of them are for profit. <laughs> so right, you know, they they had to do what they had to do. But I still think um, overall it works. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our next one, Voldemort Origins of the Air. This is 50 minutes long. Interestingly, this one actually faced some legal problems with Warner Brothers, but then they came to an agreement. The production company could keep the film and release it publicly online only if they didn't make a profit on it. So these people put a ton of work into this movie. It looks phenomenal. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. I guess they're not seeing a penny from it, which is very frustrating i i assume a couple of these also may have received some pushback from warner brothers but i can totally understand why this one received some pushback because i think with this one and even maybe sever snape and the marauders if you showed this to somebody and didn't tell them it was a fan film if you just lied and said this is a real new harry potter movie it's official released from warner brothers they might be fooled into believing that is true because voldemort origins of the air The special effects are incredible. The sets were incredible. The acting, very, very good. This is just... This is just something you would see out of a big Hollywood studio, I think. So this one follows, as the title suggests, Voldemort's rise to power. We see Tom Riddle bartering with Hepzibah Smith and meeting the cup and the locket for the first time. We see him at Hogwarts as well. We also see the other three descendants of the founders of Hogwarts trying to stop Tom Riddle from rising to power. Uh, We get flashbacks to Tom Riddle's days in Hogwarts, like I said, and in present day before the Wizarding War. Um, We also see him hunting for uh, the diary. So I was this this one, man, just so fantastic. I could see this. I could see a story like this coming together in an official capacity someday. But even that possibility aside, what I love about fan films so much is they add so much to the story. They can. And this one really does. I really liked it. And I love the idea that, you know, the descendants of the four founders would be 
at school together, it was something I'd never really considered because there's not a ton of importance in the books placed upon descendants of anyone except Slytherin, right? In terms of Hogwarts founders. Mm -hmm. Um, But to see them sort of have this like founders descendants club (laughs) uh, vibe going on early on, and it really seemed like they all got along and they were working together. Um, And then, of course, you start to see Tom veer off down a very dangerous path and the other three try to unite to stop that and it's very reminiscent of the founder's story right um so i loved sort of like the echo of that story that we already knew portrayed in a fan film showing a period of time that we really don't know too much about about. I agree. Yes. Uh, I, I also think one of the things that this film did for me was it showed why the flashbacks in Half-Blood Prince were so critical to the story. Mm. That scene you referenced, Andrew, between Hepzibah Smith and Tom Riddle, the way that they filmed that, it was just so point on and or so spot on. And It was perfect. I would honestly say too, I thought they did house elves better than the films. Wow. I know I keep knocking the films here, but the way that Hokey looked was, again, I thought spot on. And it it's an extremely plausible story. I, I think it filled a lot of the gaps that maybe we were wondering when we were reading through, particularly Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows, about some of these horcruxes and how Voldemort would even come across them to begin with. And this idea that there was this founders club, like Laura said, it would make it more plausible that these descendants would have these items more readily accessible to them. And I did also like the the Grindelwald references that were kind of sprinkled in throughout the uh the film yeah was anybody else like me though where you were watching the the scene in the bunker and you were wondering which one of them was actually voldemort oh yeah yeah i was waiting for the (laughs) reveal i just couldn't figure out which one it's just they're Uh, so the the way this is shot like this the cinematography the lighting it's it is it is absolutely 100 hollywood quality without question and at the end i'm not sure who caught this, but were we supposed to believe that that was Igor Karkaroff? The other soldier calls him Igor. Oh, yeah. well then, yeah, I would that's, think so. Yeah, that's what I thought too, but it, I don't know. It it kind of felt like- That was weird. An Easter, yeah. like it's an Easter egg more than anything else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Our next video that we're talking about is Lily Evans and the 11th Hour. And this comes from- <laughs> You know, one of the best things that I love about these fan films is, again, we've talked about it. They have to do a disclaimer in order to exist. They have to, like, open the video up. And in this case, (laughs) when you open up Lily Evans in the 11th hour, it says Apple Juice Productions is not affiliated with Warner Brothers in any way. (laughs) Like, just in case you were concerned whether Warner Brothers was working with Apple Juice Productions to bring you this awesome 22 minute Harry Potter fan film. Uh, don't worry about it. It's totally unofficial and not for profit. In fact, Warner Brothers hates the taste of apple juice. They <laughs> <Yes>. love orange <laughs> juice only. Pumpkin juice. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you think, though, that's possible? I don't know the timing, but if this movie came out after the last one we just talked about, maybe they felt like they had to put that disclaimer just so they didn't go through any sort of legal trouble. 
We, I mean, I no, I think, and, and we've seen them. That these are these sorts of disclaimers are on everyone, um, and it's because once they refine, yeah. I think it's what you're saying. Like once they refine what the rules are, uh, you know, to for these fan films to exist, everyone else followed suit because it's just like because then you can point to the other film and go, well, this film did that, you know, kind of a thing. When's Warner Brothers going to make us add a disclaimer to our podcast at the start of each episode? Don't yeah. start, man. We should, we should start doing that just just the next week anyway. What, yeah. what should be our our fun production company name that we can do is like Pickle Juice Productions. Pickle Juice. Is that, yes. Oh, is that too close? Yeah. This Harry Potter podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by Warner Brothers or J.K. Rowling. Believe it or not, the opinions here are not endorsed by Warner Brothers or J.K. Rowling. They are the rights of Pickle Juice Productions. Anyway, the, re- the other reason I mentioned Apple Juice Productions is it's all women. There are actually several videos that they've made uh, in addition to Lily Evans in the 11th Hour, including Lily Evans in the Moment of Truth, Lily Evans in the Stroke of Midnight. It's a whole Lily Evans series but Apple Juice Productions' stated mission uh, is to uh, tell relatable stories from a feminist perspective through great characters, snappy dialogue, and they say here, good kisses. <laughs> but honestly, the big takeaway for this, it's again, kind of like a pre-war Marauders story. It's it's as Voldemort is rising to power, but it's done in sort of three acts or three like monologues. Um, and it's kind of like a play that's been filmed, but the set, like the one set you get, which is, I guess, um, the dormitory where Lily Potter, uh, or Lily Evans shares with Alice Foley, who becomes Alice Longbottom is really beautifully lush. And honestly, this, this one's all about character. This one just focuses on, you know, various characters, not all of the Marauders appear, which is another like really interesting choice we do not see Sirius and we do not see Peter it's really just well done and and honestly the standout here is the Alice Longbottom character uh because she is sort of the one who is trying to convince Lily that the ministry and the horror program is the way to go to really work to defeat Voldemort what I really liked about this one is it's a simpler fan-made film. I think what's nice about this is it can inspire other people to create Harry Potter fan films like this one. Like if you look at the first two so far that we've discussed, you might be a budding creator and you look at those and you're like, wow, I could never compete with that. But this, this one is a simple setting. It's one location. It's one camera. And they're just, they're telling a pretty straightforward story. And I really appreciated that. It's almost like you're sitting, uh, you're watching a play because it is just one setting uh, with one camera angle. It reminded me of Puffs, actually, just in terms of how it was set. Obviously, Puffs has more than just one setting. But uh, yeah, that kind of single camera being in the dorm room, I did like how you got some insight into Lily and Alice being friends before everything shakes out the way that it does. It uh, It was definitely different, but I think well done. I also just want to give this one lots of credit for the writing. Um, the dialogue I thought was really good and snappy. And it really felt like if you were to put it down in print, I would feel like I was reading honest to God, like canon Wizarding World dialogue. Wow, Laura. I mean, coming from somebody who used to manage and moderate the MuggleNet fan fiction, uh, you've read a lot of this era of writing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's it, right. not all good. 
So yeah, I'm super complimentary of the writing here. I feel like that's probably what most of their resources were yeah. devoted to. And it really shines. Oh, that's good. You feel that way. And there's a very nice ending for James and Lily in this movie. So if you're a fan of those two and who isn't, you should definitely check this one out. Yeah. And there's a ton of things. Like we said earlier, these fan films really take the opportunity in many cases to flesh out the story. Um, they add things too. And there's tons of like little references to things that we know and are more familiar with. But like, for instance, uh, just to go back to Alice, she is looking to, you know, join the ministry for this horror fast track training program because the ministry is considering using some students um, or recruiting right out of Hogwarts, whereas before it was like a you know three-year process. So the reason that I bring this up is it kind of sheds some light into Aurors losing the war against Voldemort, right? Like, so the ministry is like running out of people. And so they have to kind of look to, well, where's our, you know, where's our, 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 manpower going to come from and they kind of look to the school and the reason i like that uh not only is it in, you know convenient for the plot for alice to become an auror as we know she does but uh it also kind of foreshadows the ministry's fear that dumbledore would be raising an army from the student populace because it's like who did it first the ministry so and, and nobody ever says right. that nobody calls that out but it's something that if you know canon you can really appreciate and think about and it just gives you new things to think about. Yeah. And I also think it's cool from the perspective of like they were putting together this rugged, scrappy startup of Aurors. Yeah. You know, they were just like looking for help wherever they could. And I think that's kind of a cool angle to take as well. Absolutely. All right. So does anybody need a bathroom break? I mean, I hate when we have to leave mid movie, but, you know, does anybody? Oh, is everybody know, good? I'm OK. OK, great. I need a popcorn refill. Oh, well, yeah. you can go get that yourself. You're the one who <laughs> ate all the popcorn. Will you get me more cherry Coke? And do you remember the percentages, Micah? Yeah, 63%. Um, I don't know what y'all are doing. I literally loaded my giant purse up with snacks from Walgreens. Bart, good. you're saying the quiet part out loud. <laughs> oh, oh, and Usher is yelling at us and we're getting kicked out. Great. We shouldn't have been speaking so loudly. Damn it. All right, so our next one, actually, Micah might want to leave for this one. I know he's not a fan of this one. I am, though. <laughs> I am, too. <laughs> this next one is called Life After Fred. It's only two minutes long. It's a very short film set after the Battle of Hogwarts about George reflecting on his life with his brother. Obviously, Fred has died, so George is looking back, and we see, uh, I think, uh, Fred's uh, Gryffindor tie and maybe his wand. And it's really sad. And we hear Fred and George talking in voiceovers over the years. But I actually have kind of a, a little headcanon about this short film. So at one point, there's this close up shot yep. of George's ear and it's clearly stitched back on. What if that is Fred's ear stitched onto George's head? Did anybody else get that vibe? Oh, God. What? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> because it's a close just, up. Like, shifted into sci fi. <laughs> Doesn't that make it so much more interesting? <laughs> I think if... it's Nicolas Cage's ear on, <laughs> on George here. Because I looked into this. We never hear that George gets his original ear placed back on his head. Where did that ear come from? I think it's, hmm? you know, it could be a prosthetic. It's I, you're just you see the scar and then you know that it's him. Right. It's like. I but think this you're film also is about... hearing Fred, and I feel like that's a hint that that's Fred's ear. He can oh hear my... Fred again. 
Wow. I wish I w- you could see the Discord right now, Andrew. <laughs> People are being like, ew, <laughs> please stop. But doesn't the, it makes it so much more interesting, I think. It, it really cuts deep. Uh, it, it look. I mean, yeah, if you're looking for a really disturbing lens through which to view this, <laughs> that's one view. I can't nobody else had this thought. I really didn't. I just, I felt like it was intended to make it very clear who, you know, which of the brothers we were seeing. Um. But yeah, it does raise a question because, like, where would that have come from? What is this comment from Velen Cray? I have never <laughs> agreed with Andrew once in 14 years, but I love this. What on earth? Okay, thanks, I guess. Well, is Andrew, is part of your rationale here? Because obviously he can't just take any ear. It's from his twin. So Correct. it would fit perfectly. That Okay. Right. Um, I, I will say, though, I imagine George basically having fun with what happened to him, like especially owning a joke shop. I could see him like fitting all weird kinds of things into that space and like making kids laugh and having a good time. I just can't see him taking his brother's ear. Like, that <laughs> no, just, none that of that is hinted well at me. in this film at all. This is a wonderful story <laughs> of loss It's really about George reflecting on Fred's life. There's an empty seat at the table where they both have breakfast, you know, and it's it's not just that. There's tremendous amount of CGI. You see magic. You see the Marauder's map in action. And it's for being two minutes like short concept. You really sell it. A lot of extreme close ups on the on the George actor and his ear. Um, but it's really well done, I felt. And they they do use the audio from the film. So you do get like the the you know the Phelps twins. Um mm-hmm. th- that goes a long way to like selling the emotion of it all, I think. I'm yeah. surprised that Warner Brothers didn't go after this because you're actually right. using audio from the films. I was curious if that really was from the movies. You guys are certain that it was? I mean, the- I yeah. feel yeah. like it was. Okay. Yeah. All right. And yeah, you know, Andrew, the more that I think about this, it's growing on me. I mean, people uh-huh. do, you know, people do all kinds of things in the face of grief. I mean, look at WandaVision. Right. She made a whole world. Yep. So, but also think about just like, you know, not? lung transplants, you know, a kidney transplant. Somebody dies, they donate their organs. <laughs> Fred died. George did need a certain part of his body still. <laughs> and he, and he was like, thanks, bro. <laughs> uh, all right. We're going to oh, need a poll maybe on social up. media. That's, everybody can decide <laughs> if I'm crazy or not. All right. I think we all need a little break after my uh, theory there. So let's hear from this week's sponsor, MD Acne. They are back to sponsor this week's episode of MuggleCast. Many of us have been dealing with acne for what feels like our entire lives, and no matter how much time passes, no matter how many remedies we try, it just doesn't seem to go away. And it's especially present this year thanks to wearing face masks. So now's the time to try a new solution that is actually tailored to you. MD Acne is offering the first of its kind skin supplements that are customized for each person's particular skin condition and helps treat adult hormonal acne. The supplements feature DIM, a naturally occurring nutrient found in cruciferous veggies, which helps balance the body's response to hormones and support the treatment of adult hormonal acne. So here's how it works. Go to mdacne.com slash mugglecast, answer a short quiz, 
Based on your answers, you'll see what are the best vitamins and minerals for your unique skin condition and lifestyle goals. And then you can order your free month supply for free. Just pay for shipping. So again, go to mdacne.com slash mugglecast to take the quiz and get your first month supply for free. Just pay for shipping. Give it a try today. The process is so easy and it's so important to try something truly tailored to your own skin. This is something we don't get in the stores. So give it a try. mdacne.com slash mugglecast is where to go. A link is also in the show notes. You can support MuggleCast by supporting our sponsors. So our next short film is entitled Dumbledore and Grindelwald for the Greater Good. It's about 20 minutes or so in length, and it's just probably one of my favorites uh, from the list of the films that we watched. Uh, All four characters of Grindelwald, Dumbledore, Aberforth, and Ariana apparate onto a beach. And it's the showdown that we've all been waiting for, that we've heard about for so long, and that we're anticipating we're going to see in the Fantastic Beast films. And I really did feel like this could be a flashback scene out of one of the upcoming Fantastic Beast films. There was great wand work. The spells looked legit, similar to you know, what we've been talking about in a lot of these films. And in many ways, I'm sorry, I'm going to say this again, better spells than what we saw in the actual Potter movies. And I just thought beautiful scenery for this this epic showdown, right? Like, and I know, Eric, you have some points here about shooting by water and how challenging that can oh, be. God, but just, yeah. it was extremely well done. I think maybe a little bit too long if it is going to be a flashback scene in future films. I don't know, you could get a 20 minute flashback. I think you could get to the point a little bit quicker, but just seeing the struggle between Dumbledore and Grindelwald, the the brothers, Dumbledore and Aberforth, you know, kind of butting heads with each other. And then of course, what happens to Ariana and not knowing who is the one who's actually responsible because both Albus and Grindelwald fired the spell at the same time. Yep. Yeah, with yeah. this with this film, again, supremely well cast. Honestly, the Aberforth actor kind of looks a bit like Micah, I gotta say. <laughs> it's extremely well acted, and Aberforth gets something to do. That's the thing. They, they really flesh out this moment where Aberforth uh, and Albus argue Ariana's death, but also with Albus and Grindelwald breaking apart. You really see the struggle, character-wise, between... Um, you know, Albus obviously loves his family and wants to protect them, but he is at a point where he can no longer follow Grindelwald and Grindelwald is pissed about it. Seeing that relationship unfurl is everything I ever would have wanted out of, you know, a scene like this from the actual Fantastic Beast films. Now I'm like, we don't even need to see it in Fantastic Beast. Everybody yeah. should just goes because it's so well done. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. What's so great about this is it's a scene we've been clamoring for as fans for so long and the creators of this decided to run with it and they did such a remarkable job here. They're going to have a lot to live up to. I mean, this I think this short film has honestly set the bar pretty darn high because we are going to see this in Fantastic Beasts. I think we're yeah. pretty confident of that. Oh, yeah. Well, and also I really enjoyed that um, the creators picked up on the idea of Ariana potentially being like Credence in a way, right? Like having that same sort of affliction. They didn't super they didn't dive super far into it, but there is something that happens that makes you think that Ariana wouldn't necessarily have been just sitting idly by 
when she was killed. Yep. Ariana's the big surprise for me for this video, for her involvement. Also worth noting, this movie came out in 2013, so they weren't working off of what we know from the Fantastic Beast movies at all. Yeah. So it was a bold take. Yeah. It really yeah, was. Definitely. It makes it even more impressive that it came out in 2013. Agreed. The other piece, too, that I think we've often hinted at or or we've, we've actually had discussions on is was the relationship between Grindelwald and Dumbledore mutual? And it seems like in that moment, I forget the exact line that Grindelwald uses, but he basically says that, you know, you're a fool for thinking that you know, we were in love, basically. I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but he ba- and and you see sort of the shift in Dumbledore after he realizes that Grindelwald doesn't really care much for anything other than the greater good. Mm, yeah. Great point. And I loved how um they really grounded it in the real world too. There was one point where uh, Grindelwald was talking about how their rightful place in the world is to rule over Muggles. And Dumbledore was like, hey, I know that we felt this way, but like, was that okay when British muggles did that to muggles living in India? No, it wasn't. <laughs> um, and it, right. it, was, it was a really nice way to ground it and make the perspective about sort of Grindelwald's and Dumbledore's notions of the greater good very clear to the viewer. Um, so it was a great reminder. Also, if you've stepped away from Harry Potter for a while and you don't really remember too much about Dumbledore's backstory, this will definitely jog some memories. Agreed. So here's a short one that everyone I think will love. Possibly, possibly my favorite of the, of the <laughs> entire episode. It's 90 seconds long, everybody. <laughs> but it is Harry Potter... H-A-R-R-E-Y-P-O-D-D-E-R, Say the Magic Word, and it's a combination of three animated shorts set in the world of Harry Potter, set during the time of the books, and mostly uh, utilizing the films, I think, for a lot of visual cues. But um, this is very, very, very simple. This is very, like, quick, to the point, short, special, and extremely well animated. It's a wonderful thing. You should absolutely, everyone should check this one out. Yeah, the reason I wanted to include this is because, as we all know, we don't have any official animated Harry Potter works other than what we've seen in the movies, like Tales of Beetle the Bard. This is very much what seems to me like a experiment in 2D animation for the people who created this. And it actually gives me some serious 90s Disney animated vibes. Yeah. So if you love those classic Disney animated movies and you love Harry Potter, this is a fun watch. Just these three scenes. Like I said, they feel more like animation experiments. They were just trying, you know, they're working their magic, pun intended. Uh, But they worked out really well. And it actually made me eager to see more animated Harry Potter projects, more animated Harry Potter fan films. I was looking around. I didn't see many animated harry potter fan films there have been some projects that are animated but this feels like an animation style that you actually could see for a larger fan-made movie or a official harry potter movie i agree and i just love like i laughed at all three that are in this 90 (laughs) seconds uh especially the last one where voldemort turns harry into a bunny rabbit and then he responds (laughs) by saying um 
it's not abracadabra you toss her it's avada kadavra and you get like that mortal combat ending i don't know <laughs> i just thought it was it was great <laughs> i went into this not expecting like not knowing anything about it i hadn't read y'all's notes um so i pulled it up and when it <laughs> when i saw the first scene from the forest of dean i laughed out loud so hard because I really genuinely was not expecting what happened. Um, so yeah, this is really fun. And I would absolutely love to see more of these. All right, Laura, tell us about this next one. Yeah. So our final one for today, um, we are going to be talking about Sisters of House Black. This is uh, a fan film that was written and produced by Kelsey Ellison. And it centers on uh, Narcissa Bellatrix and Andromeda, the Black Sisters. Um, and Kelsey Ellison, who wrote, wrote and produced this, actually stars as Bellatrix in this. And she's where I really want to start with this in terms of being very impressed with what she was able to do. Um, it starts out with them sort of like in their latter Hogwarts years, and the timeline does jump around a little bit, so we get to see them post-Hogwarts too. Um, but she does such a great job of going from teenage Hogwarts student to Helena Bonham Carter, like very <laughs> progressively over the course of the shooting. Like you can see her getting crazier and crazier over time. And it's kind of marked by her continuing to practice the killing curse again and again. So you see her in the beginning unable to do it um, up until the point where she can. And when she realizes she can, it's like an OF moment. Um, but what I really liked about this one, too, is that we got to learn more about Andromeda. You know, that's somebody who we didn't get a lot of context on in the books. And you get to see Andromeda slowly realizing that her family is like super racist. Um, you also get to see the beginnings of her relationship with Ted Tonks and the impact that that, that has on the sisters. Um, and also uh, Narcissa, I felt like was written very in line with what we see from her in the books. She's very much drawn towards following her family and doing what's best for her family. But in this, the family obviously, um, you know, experiences a fracture due to Andromeda um, going off with Ted Tonks, right? So she has that internal conflict going on, which was really interesting to see. But it's also... Um, building up to like Voldemort creating his first army and getting his first sets of followers, which of course includes Bellatrix. So that's really what it centers on in terms of the timeline. Um, but I really enjoyed it. And similar to some of the other ones, I thought that um, the effects were really, really good. Yes, they were. Yeah. I just loved seeing this arc for Bellatrix. And I think it takes on a uh, interesting angle when you also think about the events of the cursed child as well yeah yeah it makes it really starts to make you wonder how early did the manipulation between voldemort and bellatrix start yeah like yeah. nothing concrete happens here but you you do see the beginnings mm -hmm. of it well especially when they duel each other i thought yeah. there's respect certainly that's gained there but there could be a little bit of something kind of behind the scenes happening there too you you can you can almost see the infatuation beginning in that moment 
um, when the two of them are are battling each other. Mm -hmm. I also like the dynamic too of the black family not really knowing whether or not they wanted to get involved. Yes, they certainly have really strong opinions, but Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about there were moments when the father just, he wasn't sure, did he want to host the Death Eaters at his home? Yeah. Um, You know, so- it it wasn't just like I, I and I enjoyed the fact that it wasn't just like clear cut. Okay, these people are super pure blood maniacs who enjoy everything that's going on um, at the hands of, right. of Voldemort and the Death Eaters. There was definitely some hesitation, particularly around the fact of you know their current status with the Ministry was a good one, and I, it seemed like they didn't necessarily want to ruin that. And I and I I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. I think what's so interesting about these fan films is you see this internal conflict for a lot of them. Like you said, it's not as clear cut as you might expect when you're going into these movies. But thanks to the fact that fans are actually working on these projects and they don't have much time constraint, they don't really have any time constraints other than what the budget allows. You can see some of these um, initial hesitations like the one you're describing. Yeah. And to Micah's point, I feel like it really echoes what Sirius says in the books Um, When Harry's asking if his parents were Death Eaters and Sirius is like, no, no, I mean, the world is not separated into good people and Death Eaters. Um, My parents certainly thought that the Death Eaters had the right idea, but, you know, they didn't ultimately, you know, become foot soldiers for them. Right. And we see a similar sort of dynamic playing out here to Micah's point. Um, Right. You know, the Black family is very hesitant about putting their legacy on the line, even though ideologically they are in line Mm -hmm. with what Voldemort is doing. And I just love the moment, too, when like Lucius is in typical Malfoy fashion, just like he's like, well, we can't host it at my house because there's always ministry officials stopping by. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I Uh, thought I detected a hint of an American accent from him in a few of the scenes, but yeah. That was that was a little weird. I enjoyed the serious Walburga black moment where she's trying to set him up yes. with one of the caros. <laughs> and I also really enjoyed seeing a human Voldemort. I know we also saw um an adult version in Origins of the Air, but this was a more like adult kind of rough Voldemort and I I don't know, I just like the human aspect of it, seeing him as an actual human being before he becomes Voldemort. Um, there's something intriguing about that. Yeah. I liked getting that too. The casting felt weird to me though. And mm. it could just be my own bias. But when I saw that actor, he made me think more of like a Rodolphus Lestrange mm. than Voldemort. But honestly, in the grand scheme of things, it's a pretty small gripe. Um, I really, really liked this overall. So we will include links to all of these fan films in today's show notes if you want to watch any of them. And I have a feeling that once you start watching some of these, YouTube will give you recommendations for other fan films that we haven't spoken about today. So you are going to be set if you are interested in these. Please enjoy all of them. And well done to all of these creators and everybody else who have created 
uh, fan films over the years. I'm sure we have some budding filmmakers in our audience. And maybe if you're looking for a passion project, maybe a Harry Potter fan film is a good avenue to pursue. Now, none of us are budding filmmakers, although, well, actually, Eric did say he uh, created a couple of films himself, so maybe he is. (laughs) Um, But none of us are aspiring to become directors, I don't think. That said, I thought it would be fun if we proposed our own fan film ideas. So why don't we take turns with these? Eric, why don't you kick things off? Yeah, so uh, well, <laughs> mine is sort of a joke, uh, but it's also not a joke at all. Something amazing happened on Ivana Lynch's Chick Peeps podcast, uh, which was this birth of a character named Nathaniel Billowsby. And he was <laughs> the ghost. Well, I, in name, he's the ghost that uh, was at Nicholas Dimimsy Porpington's death day party in book two. He was the one who opened his jaw real wide and flew through the table of rotten food. And Harry asks him, you know, can you taste it when you do that? And he says almost and flies away. This character was brought to life uh, to view the full thing. You got to go check out Chick Peeps towards the end during the Troll in the Dungeon segment. But my uh, idea now for a fan film is the afterlife and times of Nathaniel Billisby. So I thought I would write, direct, and star, of course, in uh, this film. And it would be following the amazing like change in life and habit that was brought on by Tyler Starr and Ivana Lynch's amazing sort of advice rebuttal to his troll segment. All right. Well, I'll support this because I think it'd be nice to get more stories about the life of ghosts at Hogwarts. Mm. Yeah. You know, what? what is that life like? Hopefully it's not too boring because then it would be a really lame movie. Uh, but you can make it you can make it interesting. You can you can make us believe that ghosts have interesting lives lives at Hogwarts. Well, I think Ivana had a cool idea. She said, uh, "Why don't you you know chase a phoenix and go find out where they come from?" I mean, I go. think that'll be that'll be the plot of the film. Yeah. Okay. Where do phoenixes come from? <laughs> and only a ghost can figure it out. Nathaniel is the one who can do it. I would really like to uh, have a story all about Hagrid. Uh, I'd call it Hagrid, a giant's tale, and uh, I'm just really interested in learning more about him in his early years growing up um you know you can throw in a couple of uh moments where his his mom says hagrid put your father down uh and uh, <laughs> his time at hogwarts obviously it, it crosses over uh with uh tom riddles and I'd, I'd love to just get a little bit more insight there and and what their relationship was like was it just purely him taking advantage of hagrid and then what happens after he does get expelled from Hogwarts in all of those years before you know, he becomes such a prominent character in the Harry Potter series, but then also seeing the Harry Potter series through his perspective, that he has a lot of big moments. That would be my origin story that I, that I would most like to see. Okay, I like that. I also said on the yeah. Chick Peeps that my favorite character is Hagrid, so I think I'm going to go in as an executive producer on this All right. with you to make sure Let's his do story it. is done right. <laughs> Justice for Hagrid. <laughs> I rep Hagrid. I make sure that he's not being uh, portrayed as a bad person in the film. Yeah. I mean, there's there's just very few characters that kind of transcend all of these different moments that are so pivotal within the series overall. And he's one of them. Definitely. I want to see an Argus Filch origin story. <laughs> um, you may laugh, 
But I think that it could yield some really interesting um, new avenues to dive into. First of all, what is it like to grow up in the wizarding world if you yourself, although you are of magical lineage, are not magical? Yeah. So what does that look like? It would give us a ton of insight into how squibs are treated in the wizarding mm. world. We've asked this question before, like, where are they educated? Are they educated? What sorts of jobs do they qualify for? Like, what are their rights in wizarding society? Um, probably, they're probably not good based on Filch's standing and... Um, and Arabella Fig standing in the books, but it would be interesting to learn more about that all the same. Um, I also think it's very likely that Filch may have crossed paths with other characters that we know and love from a young age. Like, what was it like for Filch to maybe talk to Dumbledore? Maybe he really wanted to come to Hogwarts and study there, and Dumbledore had to deliver a similar um, soft letdown to Filch like he did to Petunia when she wrote to him wanting to go to Hogwarts. Mm. Um, and I also think it's possible, you know, maybe he does have some kind of intense backstory. I th say this because Dumbledore tends to keep people at Hogwarts for their protection. So you have someone like Trelawney, who for several books, we're all wondering, like, why is she here? Like, she's clearly not good at her job. <laughs> Um, but we learn that Dumbledore is keeping her around to protect her. So it seems likely that he has a good reason for keeping Filch around, too. Mm, very That's good cool. point. I, yeah. I, I love know, that idea. I want to know the very moment that he met Mrs. Norris. Like, How did that go down? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't even think now, about that. that. That makes me think now, too. That cat is old yeah. as hell. Was Mrs. Norris already <laughs> at Hogwarts or does he bring Mrs. Norris with him? To Hogwarts. You know, I just I just thought when you're explaining that, Laura, like what if the first time he saw Hogwarts was as an adult, like getting a job there? Yeah. You know how, how tragic. How crazy. He had to go his whole life without thinking about it. And as squibs, you know, with, with magical family, you can only think of yourself initially as less than. Uh, you know, how was that? No wonder that he rules over his little corner of Hogwarts once he gets there. Because he that's that's within his control. Yeah. I mean, if you disenfranchise people, of course, they're going to be bitter. I, I think that Filch, he could have an origin story to make him into a more um, sympathetic character. Definitely. I believe I, that. Let Disney I, handle I it. think it's almost cruel, though, <laughs> the fact that he's essentially the, the custodian of the school. Because he's, oh, yeah. he's yeah. tasked with cleaning up things that obviously would be very easy to do with magic, but he essentially has to do with, you know, things that we would use in normal day-to-day -day cleaning up uh, after kids. And uh, I don't know, I, that's, I, I don't know that him being at Hogwarts is necessarily like for his own benefit, unless to your point, Laura, there's something else going on that we don't know about. Because it's, it, to me, it's cruel. That he's he's it used is. in this way, and I think that that's what, like, for example, in uh, Chamber of Secrets, when he makes Ron clean all of the trophies in the trophy cabinet, he makes him do it by hand. Right. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I have to experience this. So here's a, you know, here's a taste of your own medicine, even though you know Ron's just a child. Mm -hmm. Right. Um. But yeah, I can see why living your life in this kind of society, that you know recognizes you 
kind of as a member of society, but you don't have any like real meaningful rights in that society. I can see why that would make you better. Oh, damn, we are in trouble. <laughs> I'm going to cast Andrew as Felch oh, in my, my fan Oh, my God, it's perfect. <laughs> Look at this cat. <laughs> I've never loved something more. Brooklyn could be Mrs. Norris. <laughs> okay. We'll test that idea for Halloween. Brooklyn. So my idea is kind of short, not as deep. That was a very good discussion on Filch, though. Maybe we have to have a deeper character discussion sometime about him. So mine is inspired by the post credit scene in the first Avengers movie when they're all eating the shawarma. So I wrote it like a screenplay. Interior. The Hogshead. The trio is eating their favorite meals, replenishing themselves after the all-nighter that was the Battle of Hogwarts. We hold on a wide shot of the three, silently eating and reflecting. Several moments pass. Ron's eyes suddenly widen as his posture straightens in his seat. Ron says, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Does anyone know what happened to Lavender? Cut to black. <laughs> so it doesn't further this. It doesn't answer any questions. It nope. Just no, it's us. just a post credit scene as useless as that shawarma scene in the Avengers. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then it's like 12 years later, she's dead. 12 years later, there's like a cut scene out in like the woods somewhere. And you see this this wolf. And all of a sudden, it transforms back into Lavender. At the full moon. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to say, I just had another idea based on our discussion. Maybe uh, George should be there too. And Ron should be like, wait, I have an idea for how you can get in here back. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, my man. God. I, I'm so pleased that your mind has gone here, Andrew. I... <laughs> See, I thought you would like this because you're into horror, Laura. Yeah, I, this no. is right up your alley. I'm starting to wonder if I've corrupted you. <laughs> I need to email the filmmakers. I'm going to get an answer. We have that. to know. Yeah, mm. we have to know. Okay, well, this was a lot of fun. If you have any feedback about today's episode, you can email MuggleCast at gmail.com or use the contact form on MuggleCast.com. You can also call us. You can call one nine two zero three muggle That's one nine two zero three six eight four four five three. You can also record a voice memo on your phone and send that to MuggleCast at gmail.com. Whether you call us on the phone or send a voice memo, just please try to keep your message about a minute long. And by the way, next week's episode is a Muggle Mail episode. So get your feedback in now and we might include it on next week's episode. Yeah, watch some of these fan films. Let us know what you thought, too. Please do. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to have on a creator of one of these, but then I was thinking, well, we couldn't be super honest if we did that uh, about all yeah, of the movies because yeah. we we wouldn't want to insult like a fellow filmmaker in front of one filmmaker, no. you know, so. No, but I will say yeah. this. I will say this. Anybody who we talked about today who made any of those films is far more talented than I am. So I will just leave it at that for any criticism. I will back that up. That I have thrown out Far more talented than Micah, that is for sure. (laughs) Okay, it's time for Quizzage. Last week's question, name this famous female campaigner for breaking the statute of secrecy. She's been in prison several times for her blatant and deliberate use of magic in public places. The correct answer was Carlotta Pinkstone, another one of the famous witches to be featured on the old J.K. Rowling website. Correct answers were submitted by Robbie, Suhas, Irene, Elizabeth, Dreamquaffle, Brody, Galia, Ellen, Kerost, 
Sabrina, Luna Nova, Rudolph Ciso, Mr. Potato, and Billy. Next week's question. At what United States college was a very Potter musical written and first performed? And uh, submit your answer to us on the MuggleCast website, MuggleCast.com slash Quizich, or go to MuggleCast.com and click on Quizich in the menu. So just a couple of reminders before we wrap up here. We would appreciate if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to MuggleCast. It helps us get discovered by new listeners. You should also follow us on social media. We are MuggleCast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And we would really appreciate if you joined our community of listeners today at patreon.com slash MuggleCast. You'll get access to our live streams. You'll get access to our exclusive Discord. You'll get access to bonus MuggleCast, more MuggleCast every month, and a whole lot more. We've created lots of benefits for our patreon to thank you for supporting us it just means the world to us so we're hoping to give back in lots of ways again that's patreon.com slash mugglecast and finally thank you for listening to today's episode i'm andrew i'm eric i'm micah and i'm laura bye, bye. bye.